Hello, and thanks for joining us on the latest episode of the Quintessential Ministry Podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to just say a couple of things. Um, When we started this at the beginning of the year, when I launched this podcast, um, my goal was to do a fresh episode every other week, every other Monday. And for the most part, we've been able to stick with that through this coronavirus situation. Um, But like everyone, um, my life's been a little crazy and uh, it has involved a fair amount of reinventing family life, reinventing um, my job. Uh, just re- you know, we're all just reinventing all the time right now, just trying to adjust and figure out how to do um, the things we need to do in fresh ways. And so anyways, at the beginning of the year, I had a pretty good um, plan for how I wanted, uh, you know, a list of of guests and people I had talked to about jumping on the podcast. And we were able to stick with that for a while, uh, but we did get a little bit off track. And um, all that to say, uh, I appreciate you sticking with us. And I apologize for a little bit of the inconsistency. I'm working hard to um, not be completely tone deaf to the situation, but to have guests on who can speak into what we're all going through um, and just kind of maybe share uh, different different things that they're dealing with and how they're approaching this situation. So today, um, my guest is Curtis Parks. He's a pastor at a church in Nashville, Tennessee, and um, I'm really excited to share this with you. Curtis pastors a church called Bridges Nashville, and they are, I believe, well, he'll tell us here in a minute, but I believe they're just two years old, and so we're going to kind of contrast how a brand new and young church plant is approaching this situation and different things that they have done to get through it, and we'll contrast that with uh, my experience at a church like Erie First, which has been established and around for quite some time, and how we're dealing with it, and I'm sure there's a lot of similarities and also some differences, so it'll be a really good and interesting conversation. Uh, I'm excited to introduce you to him, but anyways, all that to say, thanks for sticking with us. And uh, I am working hard to have real-time guests on that can speak into the situations we're all going through. And then when we get to the other side of this, we'll jump back into our regularly scheduled programming, which, uh, you know, we'll get to hear from different people uh, that I do ministry with and just their experiences, their testimonies, and um, just how they walk out their faith in very real ways. Um, But like I said, I didn't want to be tone deaf or insensitive to this season that we're all walking through. So anyways, praying for you and thanks again for joining. Let's hear from Curtis Parks, pastor of Bridges Nashville. I was wondering if you found me. I was wondering if you found me. All right, well, welcome into the Quintessential Ministry Podcast. Uh, like I said in the open, I'm so grateful you've been following along and listening as we're going through this uh, this crazy season. And I have with me today Curtis Parks, lead pastor of Bridges Nashville. So, Curtis, if you could say hello. What's up, man? Cool, cool. This is super fun. And, um, man, I guess it was three, almost three years ago we had you in up at Conduit, the last church I worked at. Um, you know, you brought your band, you guys did worship, we did a bunch of Q&A, and that was like right before you guys were going to move to Nashville, or maybe had you just moved or you were about to move, something like I that. I think that was literally weeks before we made the move. Yeah, yeah. So 
Uh, anyways, I thought it'd be cool if you would not mind uh, just kind of telling a little bit of that story, how you ended up in Nashville, what you guys are doing. And then uh, our goal today is to just kind of talk back and forth about how your church is handling this COVID situation, how the church in general is, and we'll get into some of that. But maybe catch us up, uh, give us your background and who you are and how you ended up, you know, in Tennessee. Yeah, man. Well, dude, thanks for having me here, man. I'm so excited uh, just for all the things that you guys are doing up in PA and uh, hearing some of the story uh, behind the ministry. And, uh, you know, I met you at a time where it was really transitional in my life. You know, we uh, had been at a church in Washington, D.C. for about seven years, a church uh, that meets right in the middle of the city and then also has about six or seven locations in Virginia. Uh, and so that, that's a church called National Community Church. Uh, I joined their staff in 2010. Um, some people might know that church for their lead pastor, who's an author. His name's Mark Batterson. He's written, I don't know, like 80 books. How, yeah. <laughs> he, cranks, he cranks out a new book every year. Yeah. Um, that's so, yeah, how so, that's how I was first introduced to you was kind of, you know, one of his books and then started following yeah. him. And then I kind of found out who you were and stuff. So, yeah. Oh, man. Well, I had the... Uh, absolute joy to be the worship pastor at that church for seven years. Wow. Um, before that, you know, I grew up a pastor's kid. So my dad started a church in Roanoke, Virginia, when I was about 12 years old. And uh, I think he heard me singing Disney songs around the house and said, Hey, your voice ain't half bad. You want to lead worship? Right. So I don't know if it was because he heard the talent or because he could get his son to lead for free. Um, but nevertheless, I kind of stepped into uh, leading worship at about 13 years old. I still pray for those early congregations because I know it was bad. Right. Um, right. But uh, <laughs> I, I played on a Kurzweil keyboard, and then uh, after about a year or so, picked up an old Takamini G series and started leading worship on that. Nice. And uh, kind of the, the worship leader way. And uh, my dad would always preach these really original messages. Um, he taught a lot about um, just the kingdom, you know. So he would talk often on Jesus' parables and. Uh, you know, letters from the New Testament, and uh, he would give me his sermon notes, and I would basically turn his sermons into lyrics for songs. So starting at about 14 or 15 years old, I really started writing for the church, and of course back then I had no idea, you know, that multiple churches could sing somebody's song, and I didn't know what CCLI or, you know, any of the songwriting terms were back then. I just kind of out of obedience and to honor my dad's vision was writing these songs, and um uh, mm. And I learned really quickly that when you put the message to music, it, it, it enters into memory. Mm. And so that's kind of an equation I've lived my life on as a songwriter. Message plus music equals memory. And, um, and so, yeah, basically throughout high school, led worship. My dad's church was a small non-denominational one. Um, went to college at Virginia Tech, which is by no means a Christian school. Um, in fact, when I was there, I think it was rated like the number 10 party school in the U S. Um, so my freshman year was kind of a year of discovery, you know, like, is this my faith or is it my parents' faith? You know, I heard the phrase, God doesn't have any grandkids. And so you have to figure out really quick, uh, are you going to live this life of faith and pursue God or kind of go your own route? So that's kind of the story of my college. Really. I, I would lead worship on Sundays, but then I would be trying to be a rock star playing at frat parties and clubs on Fridays and Saturdays. And that tension between those two worlds carried on after college, uh, had a, had a little appearance on a show called American Idol. Um, 
and it was during Carrie Underwood's season, so I didn't stand a chance. Right, right. Um, no one did. But it happened to be the most watched series of, of ever. I mean, 50 million viewers, I think, tuned in on the episode I was on for about 10 minutes I was on. So there was my 10 minutes of fame. Uh, but that really fueled this desire in me to become a famous rock star. And so, man, for the next three or four years, still balancing these two worlds. I knew I was called to be a worship leader, but I wanted to be a famous rock star. And so that led me down to Nashville in 2005. Uh, signed a, a publishing deal, which means you can write songs and sometimes get paid for it. I did the songwriting portion. I didn't really get paid for it. Oh, geez. Uh, but, uh, you know, you kind of learn through experience. And I've had my typical hard Nashville experience where uh, you kind of got uh, sent up a creek without a paddle. And uh, you had to learn how to trust the right people and how to uh, ask the Lord for guidance and discerning that. So, um Nevertheless, man, I just I basically got to this point after playing in the band, touring the country for four or five years to where I was just like, man, there's got to be more to music than this. You know, we we had, you know, some nights where there was 20 people and, and other times we play festivals of 20,000, you know, and it just seemed like there was nothing that ever satisfied. You know, it was like every time you hit that one benchmark, it was like, OK, what's next? And it was this this, I would say, unholy desire for more you know just always you wanted more you wanted more and um i kind of liken it to a drug addict's next fix you know they're they're Mm -hmm. always you know it's never you're never satisfied and and so man pride is like that and uh pride was uh really taking its toll on me and my relationships uh with my family my wife my friends and i kind of got to this point where i was like all right god i just surrender what is it that you want me to do and um I had a real come to Jesus moment, 2009, um, where I had been offered a TV contract to go on another show. And for the first time in a while, man, I just sensed this, this inner voice. And, and I know it was the Holy Spirit just saying, you know, this is not the path I have for you. And, um, and so I remember being on the phone with the producers of this TV show. And I said, hey, there's this thing called the Holy Spirit. And uh, you guys might think I'm crazy, but... Uh, I think the Holy Spirit's telling me I got to say no to this. And dude, it was like silent on the other end for about five seconds, which felt like an eternity. And they said, well, we think you're crazy, but good luck with everything. And that night was a turning point. That was a turning point. We ripped up the contract offer. And uh, within a month, believe it or not, I had stepped back into leading worship at this church we attended in Nashville. Uh, and, And I was offered three or four record contracts with Christian labels. I didn't take any of them, but I think it was just God saying, look, you made the right decision. I've got good plans for you. Follow me. Don't worry about opportunities. Just follow after me. You know, it says Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a righteous person are ordered by God. So we want him to order our steps. we got to focus on righteousness. And uh, right, right. That, that, was, uh, that was a moment for me where I just started to lay down my fleshly desires and pick up his um, and, you know, long story short, that led to an opportunity to move to D.C. in 2010. And so I was there for seven years as a worship pastor. Uh, during that time, we put out about 10 albums, um, signed a deal with Integrity Music for a little bit. Uh, I wrote my first book, which is called Soundcheck, and uh, that came out with uh, David C. Cook. And, uh, man, the Lord really just blessed the ministry during that time. And towards 2016, 2017, um, kind of felt like this 
hunger for, okay, God, what, what are you preparing me for? And sure enough, uh, it would be church planting, which is the scariest thought in the world. Right, right. Uh, Probably so, not yeah, what moved, you were thinking you were going to do. Not at all. And to be honest, I wouldn't have chosen it, you know. But it, there's always something amazing when you when you first toss a crazy God idea out to your wife. And without hesitation, she's like, yep, that sounds right. Wow. So that's kind of when I knew, I, you know, the Holy Spirit and my wife are usually on the same phone line. Um, and so... Yeah, I just I just told Sarah, I said, hey, you know, I feel like God's leading us back to Nashville. And she's like, yeah, I'd love to be back there. And I said, but I think it's to plant a church. And she literally like was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, it, was just, it was just that simple. And so uh, we moved down here July 2017. We launched Bridges Nashville in uh, the fall of 2018 uh, with a team of about 35 people. And uh, our first service, you know, we had about 175 people. And then our second service, we had 80. Wow. And, uh, and I quickly learned uh, the ups and downs of church planting. And I, you know, still in that mode of learning. And, uh, you know, it's a huge undertaking. Uh, I still feel totally unqualified. But when I look at scripture, I see that I'm on familiar ground because it doesn't seem like many people felt like they were qualified for what God asked them to do, but he always equipped them and he always gave them what they needed. And so here we are, um, a year and a half into our church plant. God has given us such an incredible team. Um, the guy who's our campus pastor who kind of helps me oversee the ministry teams. He'll preach every now and then. Um, he was a protege of mine while I was a worship pastor at NCC. Um, the lady who is our first impressions director, she served on the worship team with me at NCC. Oh, wow. That's cool. Um, one of our teaching team members was a, uh, a lady named Jamia that I wrote songs with back in 2010 when I lived in Nashville before. Um, and then Molly, who's our kids director, uh, she had given up on church, came to one of our pre-launch meetings as a last whim, said, you know, God, if, if there's anything she saw an Instagram ad, I think. And uh, now she's our kids director. So I've just learned that the way God writes a story, uh, yeah, you don't want to take the pen out of his hand. He's got incredible things. Uh, I've learned faith that I didn't even know there was categories for. Uh, we've been able to not only, um, you know, write songs, but I think we just released our third single. Um, and God has just been breathing on the songs. Uh, we recently did a song where it's got kind of that Brady Bunch style, um, music video effect to it and um man that song took off overnight i think it had like forty thousand views over the weekend wow. on facebook and um you know we're hearing stories of churches who are leading that online right now uh as their churches are uh no longer able to gather physically so what an interesting season we're all in and uh, that's kind of I guess that's the Facebook version. I was hoping to give you the Instagram version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that was a long-form story. That's right all there. right. That's good. I like it. <laughs> um, no, that's really good, and it's a good segue kind of into this current season that we're in because, um, like you said, you guys released that song, Jesus You Are. Um, so go go look up Jesus You Are by Bridges Nashville. It is super good. And it's different because a lot of churches, um, and this is a good thing, but a lot of churches have been doing like – whatever song, and then, like you said, the, the Tile or Brady Bunch version of that song. 
because it's what we're kind of stuck with right now, it, uh, you know, while we're going through this. But what is cool about yours is it's a it's an original song, and your people were all over the country even, right? If I read the, mm-hmm. the stuff right. So, like, you had people contributing from wherever they were in the nation, and then you probably were tasked with the unfortunate thing of lining all those tracks up to make it the song that it ended up being. Man, it was crazy. It was a huge undertaking. Uh, yeah, our one of our main worship leaders, Delaney, she co-wrote the song with me, and uh, she is down in Texas. Uh, and then we had a, our drummer was in Virginia, both of them are Belmont students, and so they kind of went home during this uh, pandemic. And so, yeah, from Virginia to Texas and then all across Nashville and the surrounding Tennessee areas. Um, fortunately, I would say, you know, we have a very unique worship team in that about half of our team has home studios. Right, right. You so, are you so. are in Nashville, so that doesn't hurt <laughs> anything, right? No, man. So they were, uh, you know, they were kind of recording their tracks from home and sending them in and then... Uh, we got some uh, some of our friends involved who are really good with video, um, and man, I just kind of pieced together the song. And you know, our church um, very young. I think we're about sixty percent under thirty, um, so very young. Uh, we have about forty percent that are college students. Okay, um, maybe not quite that high. Uh, you know, college to like young adult, twenty five ish. So a lot of young. Uh, people at our church and so we kind of live on instagram we kind of live on the social media life and uh and so yeah we just kind of put this song together the story of the song is really interesting because you know here in nashville we we had gone through i mean covid 19's hit everybody but before that we had hit two major speed bumps before that yeah that's right you guys had that tornado the tornado and the trailer being stolen Oh, that's right. Your church's trailer was stolen. Our church's yeah, trailer. Yeah. We're, we're completely mobile. So about two months ago, yeah, I went to go pick up our trailer for Sunday service, and it wasn't there. So all of our gear, our signage, our, our kids' stuff, our, our worship and production equipment, gone. Um, and so it was just insane. And, you know, a week later, the tornado hit. And so literally, you know, I believe that, you know, God was saying, look, don't worry about this. I've got this taken care of. Um, just take care of your city. Respond to the tornado. Respond to the need. So we actually had a gift of $5,000 come in pretty quickly. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling us, look, put that $5,000 towards uh, taking care of the city. You know, So we went out and bought care kits. We packed them, delivered them. So check this out. As we were delivering these care kits, it was about a two or three hour period. $30,000 comes in. Ooh, come on. And and then insurance kicked in the extra 10 that we needed. So not only did we end up with all brand new gear, we were able to upgrade right. and and then still have some left over in the bank. And so I just think, you know, through all of this stuff, you know, through the trailer, through the tornado, now COVID-19 hitting everybody, anytime you go through a storm, it's just an opportunity, not just to test your faith, but to see how big God is. And, um, and, you know, we have a new, we have a new ceiling now, you know, it's just like, it's, it's been incredible, man. Yeah. And so that's... we wrote, we wrote Jesus, you are in the midst of all that. Wow. Wow. And so now it's kind of this testimony song where, you know, when we sing this song a year, two years, five years from now, we're going to look back, tie it in with this season yeah. and see God's faithfulness. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. That is really cool. So tell me how, 
has your church, uh, like you said, you're, you're younger in age, you're younger in vibe, I guess you could say. Um, how has your church responded, stayed connected? Obviously, this is challenging for any, any and all churches, um, but like the church I work at, we're fairly established. We've been around a long time, uh, which means um, our, our demographics wouldn't be as young. So we have like maybe the technology struggle we've been working through but also the time and faithfulness component that's like, these people are rocks in their faith, yeah. right? And so like, they've been amazing. So maybe just share a little bit of that. How has it been for your congregation? You've been together as a church 18 months, like you said. What's it like staying connected digitally and, and figuring all that out? How's that been going? You know, it's got pluses and minuses, I think. For us, you know, the luxury of being a new church is that you can always be experimenting, you can always be dreaming, and you're not tied to any tradition, you know? You're right. you're setting a new normal pretty much every week. Yeah, like, no, so, the church I came from was really young, and we would always joke, like, nobody can say, I've been here 20 years, da-da-da. Right. It's like, no, none of us have been. Like, the, no, the doors weren't <laughs> open four years ago, you know, so... Yeah. I mean, that's a blessing, right? Because it's, it's that people don't have an expectation of what you're supposed to be. And then for us, you know, a lot of people that go to Bridges, um, some of them are de-churched, unchurched, re-churched. And so the, the expectation is like, hey, man, I came here because I, I wanted a fresh start. So right, right. I think we have the unique luxury of really just leaning into that freshness and, and experimenting. And, you know, before this thing even hit, we already were doing house church every season. So, you know, what that looks like, we normally meet at a music venue that meets downtown Nashville. It's called the Listening Room Cafe. And so once every quarter, we would meet in our homes instead of at the listening room. And we have about five or six house churches um, where, you know, they're led by somebody who I've had a little bit more one-on-one discipleship with. And uh, almost like a small group meets Sunday morning. Kind okay, of yep, yep. Each house has an acoustic worship leader. I pre-record the message. We send it out on Dropbox or YouTube. And then we have discussion questions after that. Um, and then sometimes they'll hang out at the house and watch a football game or eat lunch or whatever. And so we had experimented with that, and that's kind of a part of our DNA. And so when the, the pandemic hit, we just said, hey, well, now let's just do house church, like every Sunday, you know? Um and so at first we, we were like, hey, you know, meet in small groups. And then uh, as the uh, as the uh, coronavirus started to kind of up its scale in seriousness and uh, and we started to understand more about it, that's kind of when it moved to like a, hey, stay at home, shelter in place sort of thing. And um, and so, man, to be honest, the blessing of having such a young demographic is that they live, eat and breathe technology. So. You know, we are leaning into, like, we do Facebook Live stuff, uh, Instagram Live almost every night of the week. Tonight we're doing a worship leader takeover. Um, You know, so Monday nights is Message Monday. We'll dive deeper into it on Facebook. Uh, Instagram on Tuesday and Thursdays with a worship leader takeover. So one of our, like, seven or eight worship leaders will do, like, a 30-minute set online. Um, Wednesday night we have a Zoom Bible study. And then uh, Friday morning I'll just do, like, a coffee with the pastor where I'll get on Instagram live and just check in with everybody and say, Hey, how can I be praying for you? Um, and so just really keeping people engaged. I think that's the challenge though, not just to get out content, but to connect, um, you know, because we can be putting out stuff every, 
every day. But if no one's watching it and interacting, then it's pointless. And so we try to do as many interactive pieces as we can. I'm trying to get as many people that are not staff or myself involved in some of this stuff. And so we've seen, you know, uh, tonight we actually have our worship leader takeover is with a girl on our team who plays keys. uh, And she does singer-songwriter nights all throughout Nashville, but she's never led worship at Bridges. Well, man, I heard her sing the other day, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, right. we're going to – you're going to be singing tonight. So, Love it. Um, so, I mean, you know, I think it's an opportunity to stretch your team, stretch your church. Innovation and creativity can really lead the way. Um, and then just, you know, obviously, you know, for Sundays, it's completely online, so we just make it available as much as we can. Mm-hmm. So it's on Facebook, Instagram, uh, and and uh, YouTube. Yep. And so – yeah, I think, you know, we live in an interesting day and age where anybody can get a message across the world in five seconds. So, man, what greater message than the gospel to carry right, out, you right. know? Yeah, um, and, and honestly, that kind of, uh, I, it's interesting because it puts people in a position, it can be um, almost online church overload. Like, I, I feel like the first week of this whole thing, that was the challenge was like every church scrambled to be online. And like every Sunday, my phone is just blown up with every church I've ever been affiliated with from DC to Nashville to Erie, Pennsylvania. And, you know, like I have so many friends in the church world, obviously. And so my feed's just blowing up with that stuff. But I think it's so important uh, for anyone hearing this to remember, uh, plug in with your church, like your church yeah. is still your church. And so, yes, you have the world is your oyster and you have everything at your disposal and all of that. And that, that was true before this, right? Like we had so much digital church uh, was available to us, but it's so important to be tight connected with your community, have a tight knit relationship and put your roots down somewhere and really like yeah. plug in and serve. Like you're saying, get involved to the best you can uh, because that's what makes all the difference. That's what you're going to need when we encounter these hard times is tight-knit community, not uh, this a la carte mentality as as to how you approach your church life, you know? Well, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, you know, when this first happened, I kind of quickly came to this realization that, yeah, if people want to watch Elevation or Bridges Nashville – uh, you know, quality and production scale wise, it's no competition. But right. then I had a conversation with somebody at our church and they were like, yeah, but Stephen Furtick's not my pastor. Right. You know, you're my pastor. Right. And so I think the cool thing is when you have that connection with people and now it's more needed than ever. So, you know, I wasn't a phone guy before. I hate talking on the phone. I'm a text and email, you know, like. I just don't like talking on the phone. And my wife can tell you that back from our touring days and it got me in trouble, you know, like right, I, right, to, right, right. I should have been way better on the phone, but I just don't like talking on the phone. Well, now during coronavirus, I'll call people, you mm-hmm. know, I think there's just so much value in the human voice and the interaction. And I, I remember, you know, my mom came over for my daughter's birthday, which happened a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, she was like, can I give her a hug? And, you know, of course, I'm like, Mom, you can give her a hug, you know. And, <laughs> and, and there was just this beautiful moment of realizing, man, like the human touch, the, the, the personal to personal connection that we have, man, no amount of digital space can, can, you know, substitute for that. And so, you know, I think on the other side of this thing, 
man, just be really good at community. Be mm-hmm. be more intentional about community. Um, it's it's pretty awesome uh, the story that I've had with my neighbor. So you know we have neighbors that live across the street, and um, uh, we you know we we keep conversation really casual. You know our kids are the same age, and you know we both like baseball, and we're always grilling out on our back decks. And uh, but but here recently, you know, I just said, hey, if you're not doing anything, you know, tomorrow, why don't you tune into our church? Well, he not only tuned in, he shared it. And now we're having conversations about the gospel. Um, I don't know if he's a believer or not, but I know right now the depth of our conversations are way deeper than they used to be. And so I think God's doing something really cool where it's like, you know, hey, I want this desire for community and personal interaction and just real life to be so evident on the other side of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I and I think that's, that's where we have to go as churches. I do think obviously there's going to be a new normal. No one can predict what the future looks like, but I can guarantee you it won't look like it did a year ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. everything is changed. Uh, the question isn't, when can we go back to church? The question is, when are your people going to feel okay to go back to church? Right, right. Um, because even if we get all the restrictions lifted off, which for us in Nashville City, it's not going to be until June and the earliest. You know, I can't guarantee that people are going to be like, okay, I'll go and gather with a hundred other people, you know, in a, right. in a small music venue. So we just have to be ready for change mm-hmm. and we have to understand that this didn't take god by surprise uh, i do believe this is a massive pivotal point in our culture and in our generation uh, this will mark our time on earth uh, much like world war ii marked the baby boomers and, and the great war marked the early 1900s um, i think coronavirus and this pandemic uh, is going to be one of those um bookmark moments and uh i think how the church responds is going to say everything about our future yeah no i i totally agree and i think i actually just came out of a meeting kind of discussing what's it look like when they raise restrictions from you know red to yellow yellow to green what's our plan and the big point was even when those are lifted people may not respond right the way they're quote-unquote allowed to right like you might be told hey, we're going to do this, but that doesn't mean people are going to just start doing it. People will be cautious. I guess what I would say to anybody listening, um, whatever your comfort level is from a health standpoint or from a safety standpoint, still figure out a way to plug in to your church. Figure out a way to help and serve and be there because, man, we need it more than ever. People need it more than ever. And it's just, uh, like you said, this is how we respond will mark so much for the future. The, the, the buzzword, of course, is unprecedented times. These are unprecedented times, but let's have an unprecedented reaction to it where we are different and we live different on the other side of it because that's what we're called that's to good. do. So That's good, man. Yeah. So anyways, any other thoughts as we wrap up? I really appreciate you doing this. It's been good to catch up. Man, I would just encourage anybody who's listening, uh, don't waste this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm just a huge fan of Dallas Willard, and I, I read a quote of his, um, and he had said once, silence and solitude are the two most radical spiritual disciplines. And I think right now is an opportunity to learn how to live with silence and solitude as part of your rhythm. 
so that you can develop that on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think this is an opportunity for people to deepen their faith. Don't waste it. Don't binge Netflix every night. Don't, you know, uh, just kind of fart around when you could really make the most of this moment. I know for me, I have uh, had this second book uh, on the docket for a long, long time. And uh, man, this morning, I actually just finished up chapter 11. So, All right. Um, so I'm about uh, 55,000 words in. Uh, this is going to be a big one. And um, But you know what? I, I told myself, look, this is an opportunity where I'm going to get a little bit more time in the mornings, so don't waste it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think this is an opportunity for whoever is out there, your goals, your dreams, if you don't have one, set one, if you don't. Um, if you don't know, you know, purpose wise or calling wise, what you're supposed to do, seek God, seek the Holy spirit on that. Um, but man, I just think this is an opportunity, a huge opportunity to grow, uh, in our discipleship and our leadership and stretch in our, um, in our dreams and our desires, man. I think God uh, has given us this time and, uh, man, I'll tell you what, uh, Corey Ten Boom once said, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And uh, I think I think a lot of us right now uh, haven't been able to be busy as we were. And so don't sink back into the busyness of life just when the restrictions get lifted. Um, Make this make this your your new rhythm and carry it forward. Cool. Love it. Well, his name is Curtis Parks, lead pastor at Bridges Nashville in Nashville, Tennessee. And it has been awesome having you on, man. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, we will see you next time on the Quintessential Ministry Podcast.